Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody and welcome to Mobile One Radio Le Mans 91.2 FM's look at the 2018 list of cars and drivers entered for the Le Mans 24 hours. I'm John Heindhoff and delighted to say that joining me from dailysportscar.com is their editor Graham Goodwin. Hello Graham. Hello John, hello everybody. Uh, and Graham, uh, that's not a bad line, Graham is full of cold at the moment um, so we've got him in uh, uh, in in a, uh, a sealed room a hermetically sealed room to uh, get him better uh, to make sure he's not spreading uh, any germs also Johnny Palmer uh, uh, one of our lead commentators for Mobile One Radio Le Mans ready for the 24 hours Mr Palmer? I certainly am John yes and uh, I'm delighted to say I'm fighting fit despite spending about uh, five hours in a small room with Graham during the test weekend, but uh, I hope you're on the mend. Uh, an extraordinary list of drivers and entries this year, gentlemen. Um, and for the first time in a very long time that I can remember, Mr Goodwin, um, we are split exactly between GTs and prototypes. It's 30 and 30. Uh, we're going to look here at the GTE AM runners. Uh, and we do have... Uh, what is it? 13 runners. They're all on Michelin tyres. And I think we can almost say all the usual suspects. I, I should say there are two um, uh, reserves still on the list. Spirit of Race and High Class Racing. Uh, neither of uh, which um, uh, look like they're going to get in. In a Ferrari and a Dallara. Um, some consternation about the list. But the 13 that we've got in GTM are going to give us a heck of a race. Let, let's start with uh, let's start with Aston Martin uh, with the Vantage for TF Sport and Aston Martin Racing. TF Sport, first of all, Sally Yolick, Ewan Hankey, Charles Eastwood. What can you tell us about that trio? Well, I think the first thing to say, John, is that uh, there are two different sorts of Aston Martin Vantage on the list this, uh, this year. It's the old lady, the V8-powered car, the fantastic soundtrack in Am, and uh, you're right, two teams of high quality: TF Sport, the TF for Tom Ferrier, and uh, Ewan Hankey and Sally Yulluk. Been part of a real success story for the camp-based team. Um, uh, Charlie Eastwood comes from Carrera Cup, where he's had some real success, the young Irishman, and the. Uh, well, the team is just, it's got used to winning. Yes. Won two years ago in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Won in British GT, has been taking race wins elsewhere, came close to winning the LMS title and gained their slot uh, for the Le Mans 24 hours. Well, either through that, through second place in the LMS, or indeed because they're now a full season WEC mm. entry. It's been a meteoric rise. Uh, but don't count these guys out. Sally Yulluk the first ever Turkish driver to start the 24 hours of Le Mans 
last year, comes back for a second shot at it. Ewan Hankey could so easily have been one of those talented pro drivers that lost his way, but uh, he hooked up with uh, Sally Yolok, uh, brought the Turkish driver from, frankly, a couple of seasons where he looked not that great, um, to being someone now who is right up there as one of the quickest silver drivers. Um, the the other Aston, Johnny, is uh, the, uh, well, getting used to them now, the Paul Dallalano, Pedro Lamy uh, and Matthias Lauder. They should have won this race by now, shouldn't they? And now they're in the old car, source of um, some frustration, I think, for Paul Dallalana. They've been swapping and changing to what they've been doing in the the early part of the season. Um, is this going to be their year, finally, or is the car just too old? Um they were only it's fourth at test day because they had some problems, didn't they? Well, they did. I mean, um, unfortunately, Matthias Lauder was forced onto a curb and it uh, ripped the underside of the car and uh, basically, I think, ripped the uh, the oil sump to bits. So uh, the car trailing oil and they couldn't fix the problem because it basically needed a new engine during test weekend. So that puts them, put them out on the spot. But they are, we should not forget, the AM champions in the World Endurance Championship. And uh, that came down to the wire last year. But one of their worst results of uh, nine races last year in the WC was Le Mans. And you, as you say, it's the one that keeps eluding them. They've been in the hunt for, for several uh, several years and several editions of the 24 hours of Le Mans. So you have to say they are due. They finished fourth last year. Um, and, you know, just to get on the podium would be progress. As you say, though, it's tricky because we still don't quite know where we are as far as balance of performance is concerned. It is an older car versus brand new Porsches and uh, the year old Ferraris or two year old Ferrari 488. So they might be up against it a little bit, but you could say they're due some some luck finally in this year's race. Uh, up against them, that's the by the way, that is the uh, 98 and the 99 car. I've got an entry list on that I've uh, got up so small I can barely read that. I need to get that. Uh, sorted out. No, it's not, actually. It's the... See, I couldn't read that. TF Sport, the 90 and the 98, because the uh, 99, of course, is Proton Competition with Pat Long, Tim Pappas and Spencer Pumpelli. Now, I spoke to Tim Pappas some time ago uh, about this when we were in... Long Beach for IMSA and sworn to secrecy about this coming together. But this looks very strong indeed. The All-American driving crew uh, with a Porsche. Now, this is the new Porsche, in inverted commas, Graham, is it not? Uh, all of the Porsches this year are new Porsches. It'll be 10 of them. Uh, fabulous things that they are across the two classes. So not uh, noisy six. at all, then, in the tribunes? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, six of them in Am, and uh, this one will, will be unmistakable. It's in the chrome green, uh, as opposed to chrome green. Chrome green, uh, black swan racing uh, colours, the 99 car. Tim Pappas, so excited at the test mm. day. Spencer Bumpelli with plenty of form, amongst others with uh, Fly Lizards, of course. And Pat Long, nothing wrong there in terms of the the potential pace. It's going to be a lot to do with uh, Tim Pappas getting up to speed on what is a very different racetrack. Uh, the, the good news for all of those Porsche uh, uh, am drivers who are very who are properly ams uh, some of those as well johnny is that the pro drivers tell us that this is the easiest 911 ever to drive the engine and gearbox have effectively been swapped round because the regulations allow that there's nothing uh, that 
says you can't. In fact, they actually could have put the engine in the front of the Porsche, but why would you do that in a 911? It's not only changed the weight balance a little bit, but it's been done for aerodynamic purposes. Originally in the GT Pro, GTE Pro ranks, they have a huge rear diffuser now, which gives the car a lot of aerodynamic downforce without a lot of, of drag. And when you look at some of the other Porsches there, and I'm thinking uh, particularly of the number 88, the Matteo Caroli, Khaled Al Cabezi, Giorgio Roda car. That looks another strong car. In fact, they are, I mean, you can make a case for pretty much anybody here. You could, although I think the Proton start as favourites because they've now got three cars in the entry, courtesy of a couple of WEC entries yeah. and the ELMS as well. And this is effectively the ELMS uh, entered car, although none of the drivers race in that championship. But um, as you say, it, as Graham says, it's not going to be difficult to, to spot that car because uh, uh, there are not many of those uh, sort of real metallic, deep green machines. And Pat Long goes fast in anything. I think he's also going to be a terrific mentor to to Tim and to Spencer. And Spencer Pompoli, you know, he knows Porsches back to front. Uh, Khaled El before I go on to that car, let's, you, you mentioned the other Proton cars. The other uh, Dempsey Proton, or two, uh, the other Dempsey Proton racing car, we, we mentioned Khaled there. I mean, he got uh, rather ushered into the wall earlier on, so he's got something to prove this year. The other car is Matt Campbell, the very quick Australian driver, former uh, Carrera Cup Australia dri- uh, winner. Uh, Christian Reed, uh, Julian Andlauer, uh, the Frenchman in that car, will be the car, the, the driver. I would have thought, Graham, that most of our listeners here on Mobile One Radio, I'm on 91.2 FM, may not know too much about. Well, he was the fastest man at test day in the <laughs> class right at the death. And uh, between him and Matt Campbell, some real pace in the 77 car. Christian Reed will be solid. Yeah. Christian does tend to have a habit of starting very quickly maybe telling off towards the end of his stint. Uh, you're right, right as well, though, by the way, the number 88 car, Matteo Caroli, an absolute star yeah. in that car. Giorgio Roda, the Italian, uh, will be pretty solid. Caldar Capese uh, will be uh, absolutely aching for a decent result after that dreadful uh, shunt of the wall he, he had from uh, uh, an LMP2 car uh, last year's race early on. These are going to be strong. Make no mistake, the Porsches are going to be strong. Yeah. I, I completely agree. So we'll carry on with the Porsches. Then Gulf Racing, the 86, jumping around the entry list here. I hope you're following along. Uh, Michael Wainwright, Wainwright, or Mike Wainwright, as we would call him. Benjamin Barker, I think we'd probably call him Ben. And Alex Alexander Davidson, uh, Alex, that would be, to the rest of us. So that's a, a, another British and Aussie uh, set of drivers. Uh, it's a big year for Gulf Racing at Le Mans this year, and this. Uh, the blue and orange exhibition in the uh, in the ACO Museum, which, by the way, you can get into with your general admission ticket. There's one or two other bits and pieces as well. I'd love to see Mike and the rest of the guys do well. We know Ben and, and Mike very well. Alex Davison, of course, he's got a bit of form as well. Um, a, a car in those colours at Le Mans will be a fan favourite, Johnny. Have they, have they got the pace in that car to get a podium or something better in GTEM? I, I hope so, because uh, Mike Wainwrights have been, you know, a, a huge enthusiast and he's desperate to win this race. And 
uh, he being the bronze driver, he's the man that uh, effectively funds the effort. Mm. But he's got he's picked a silver driver uh, from the Davison dynasty from Australia. This is uh, Will Davison's uh, brother for fans of the Supercars Championship over in Oz. And Ben Barker has been uh, uber impressive during races in the ELMS recently. Another guy that's come through the British Carrera Cup system and then into Porsche Super Cup. So very much a specialist in that car. Uh, and, you know, it echoes um, races... Of, of of your I suppose with the with the golf livery we've got some um, replica liveries in other classes oh, too. Oh yeah, good point. So um, and you almost I mean, Paul Trusswell made this point at the weekend during the uh, test weekend that you can pick your era now and there'll <laughs> be many fans that will be following that that golf colours purely because of the way it looks. Um, let's finish off the other Porsches then. Um, number 80, EB Motors. This is Fabio Babini, Christina Nielsen from Wright Motorsports. She's been driving with Pat Long in the States this year. And Eric Maris, it- Italian, Danish and uh, French. Eric Maris is the Frenchman, of course. A gold, a silver and a bronze. So they have the full set there, Greer. EB Motors, we've seen them in Creventic racing. And, I mean, they're a tidy outfit. They know which way is up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they uh, come to the race as the reigning champions in the Michelin uh, Le Mans Cup in uh, GT. Move over from Lamborghini to Porsche. And they've been a Porsche team for many, many years. Fabio Babini won this race in class as long ago as 2001. Excuse me. 2001, John. Mm. Um, But I suspect that Christina Nielsen may be the quicker of the two pro-ranked drivers here. Uh, They've had some pretty awful luck early in the season. This, by the way... It's a bit of a loner, uh, this with an A. Uh, this is a uh, Proton car loaned to the team until their new car is ready after uh-huh. Le Mans. Okay. But they had to change engine and gearbox uh, at the test day. And poor Christina Nielsen that came all that way uh, over from Detroit to get a single lap where the car conked out again, I'm afraid. So they're coming in in not good shape. Car does look good. Nothing wrong with the team their luck needs to change uh, and the person who flew Christina uh, over is in the final Porsche uh, which we'll talk about now that's the team project one number 54 uh, 56 car sorry uh, that's Patrick Lindsay he's a silver ranked driver he's teamed up with uh, apparently a Norwegian a Gideon Perfetti uh, and a German Jörg Bergmeister a tall Jörg uh, is effectively anchoring that team Patrick Lindsay's driving in IMSA Johnny has just been getting better and better his confidence is sky high he didn't drive uh, at uh, at Detroit um, he flew the plane instead and did the logistics that that's actually a good looking a good looking squad of drivers there um, what about team project one what can you tell us about them uh, the World Endurance Championship uh, entry and uh, rolling in the yellow and black livery had a really good spar, I seem to remember, and were in the mix in the early parts of the race. They've been going for quite a while, formed in 1993 by uh, both Hans Bernd Camps and Jörg Michaels, based in Lawn in Germany. So um, they're new to the World Endurance Championship and obviously still getting used to that format. Uh, but they have raced in things like the 24H series with Creventic mm-hmm. in the past. So no strangers to endurance racing. And, you know, to, to be able to get uh, Jörg Bergmeister on board, a terrific signing. He's the linchpin. He's the platinum driver. But as you say, Patrick's getting better and better. And Igidio Perfetti, Graham and I first saw 
a couple of years ago racing um, a, a brand new at the time 991 spec GT3 Porsche yep. in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. So I think this has been a target for Aguidio for several seasons to get to Le Mans. And, and, he's, and he's worked at a, a sensible pace to get himself the... Uh, get himself the experience to do that. Uh, this is their 25th anniversary, Graham is telling me, um, and they have more wins in one make Porsche racings than en- any other team. Uh, the Deutsche Post, Tol- Deutsche Post Tolomit uh, efforts, all the same outfit. Uh, team Project 1, that is, with the number 56 car. Let's move on. We've done Aston Martin, uh, front-engine car. We've done re- rear-engined car, or rear mid-engine cars now, I suppose you would say, for the new RSR. Now let's head to the hordes of Ferraris. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that hordes of Ferraris is the uh, right collective nouns. And I, I've, I've been checking uh, dailysportscar.com, of course, as I do several times a day. And I really uh, agree, Graham, with what you've said in your preview that one of the the massive positive surprises of the WEC last year was Thomas Flo's improvement through the season and he has really grown in to a driver who can get podium who can get good results it's the team spirit of race we're talking about the 54 Ferrari that he shares with uh, Francesco Franchi Castellacci and they've brought in uh, Giancarlo Fisichella into that team so platinum silver and bronze in there and and spirit of race again that's you know that's a team with one name that we know is 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 run by another is the 488 though the car to have at Le Mans this year Graham well I think the problem is we don't yet know uh, or indeed the the uh, the pluses that we don't yet know yeah, Spirit of Race is AF Corsa in uh, in uh, Swiss francs, and that's the main reason for doing it. Very good. Uh, Gian- Giancarlo Fisichella almost set the fastest time in the class uh, test day before being uh, bumped by Julian Andlauer, but uh, he's up for this. Uh, whilst I think a few people thought, oh, it's a bit of a demotion for the ex-Formula 1 man. Actually, I think Giancarlo is enjoying a different role, and uh, his family smile. Francesco Castellacci... Um, ever smiling, one of the most Italian men uh, you can possibly meet. And you're right, Thomas Fleur has taken a big step forward since moving over to this GTE effort. And is an odd one here in that he is a gentleman driver of relatively limited experience that seems more comfortable in a GTE car than he did in a GT3. So quite why that is, um, we'll wait and see. Uh, but 54 crew, I think, have all the potential uh, to be there and thereabouts at the end of a long run they need to be error free like everybody else yes i think we're going to be seeing that rather a lot uh, you're listening oh, to yeah. 91.2 fm it's mobile one radio le mans for 2018 and of course on rs1 part of the radio show limited network of channels we are looking at the gte entry for le mans 2018 uh, we're into the ferraris the number 61 comes from Clearwater Racing. Uh, Kitasawa, uh, Weng Sun Mok, or Mok Weng Sun, depending on which way uh, round you see it. And Matt Griffin, just one car for Clearwater uh, for the big race, Johnny. Um, but, I mean, they've earned their stripes in all kinds of racing, including right up to WEC. Yeah, they have. And uh, they're back on board again for another full year. And, you know, they came pretty close uh, in last year's 24-hour race as well. Uh, I have them down in fifth position. But uh, Matt Griffin, you know, a, a real star. But 
actually for a long time during the test day, um, the 61 car was up there on the times. I'd assumed it was Matt. It was actually Keita Sawa who'd mm. set the time. And, you know, he continues to progress as the Japanese being the silver driver. Mokweng Sun, uh, again, a businessman by trade, but loving his motorsport. And um, an another car that, you know, you're not going to miss because it's it's carrying the traditional um, clear water racing livery of that uh, metallic silver, which is so easy to spot. And it looks great at night as well, particularly mm -hmm. as the sun comes down on the Saturday night. I think they're going from strength to strength. And, um, you know, they came close to winning at Silverstone almost a year ago. Go. Uh, why can't it be their year or certainly for a podium this year uh, and Grim making the, the point uh, on DSE and also on our little chat here as we're doing this that uh, Kitasawa has improved impressively every time he's gone back to a circuit that he's been to before so he's clearly still learning and I, I just think you've got to get the balance with all of these gentlemen drivers and how many times have we said this gentleman that you know we've got to get the gentleman drivers settled into a, the non-pro drivers let's say uh, settled into a rhythm set into a lap time that they are comfortable at they don't need to push too hard but they've got to keep the car on the circuit Clearwater Racing then certainly one to look out for in every sense of that statement uh, they're from Singapore uh, the Japanese are uh, um, uh, represented in GTM as well with MR Racing now two names here you should recognise Edward Eddie Cheever and Olivier, Oli, Beretta, uh, should be recognised by you all. Uh, Motoki Ishikawa, Graham, um, is a, a driver that we've seen uh, racing uh, before. Um, certainly they're part of the WEC uh, this year, but perhaps some of our listeners won't know um, the Japanese driver's backstory. Uh, yeah, um, MR Racing, as with Clearwater, another team that's actually got some logistical support from the AF Corsa Empire. Won't miss Clearwater car. That's the chrome livery car this year. MR Racing, white livery to the, their Ferrari. Looks great. Oli Beretta, as cheerful a chappy as he ever was, <laughs> uh, the Monegasque. Eddie Cheever III, uh, son of the Eddie Cheever that most people will know, of course, the ex-Formula 1 and uh, sports car racer. Uh, Motoaki Ishikawa, been looked after by uh, Olivier Breton for a little wee while. Comes via GT3 Racing, did some Blompan stuff last year. This is a, a team that probably is going to need another year, I think, to gel yeah. before getting uh, to the level that will be required on pace. Uh, it's you know it's a big ass to come to the Le Mans 24 hours and be competitive. Um, yeah. Possibly a year early. Well, yeah, you know, stranger things have happened. If we're talking about uh, that team as one of the newer teams, uh, a, a perennial entry, a, well, should be a perennial entry, uh, shockingly hasn't always been uh, seen that way by the invitation committee. JMW Motorsport, Jim McWhorter, uh, are back this year. Hurrah! Uh, the uh, GTE Am winner from 2017 with the number 84 car. Uh, a, a new set of names for Jim's team. Liam Griffin from British GT. Cooper McNeil from uh, from IMSA along with Jeff Siegel. Now, Jeff Siegel was drafted in at very late notice to drive at Detroit uh, at uh, test weekend, which gave him some uh, logistical issues. He did exactly what he we expect him to do, Johnny. He's pretty much a plug-and-play uh, driver. Cooper McNeil brings the WeatherTech sponsorship to that car. And Liam Griffin, 
well, he's been doing very good things uh, in British GT, um, but but he's not got much experience in the Ferrari. He's getting more used to it, certainly, and uh, has raced Aston Martins in British GT and I think possibly other chassis as well. Uh, This is one of the rare occasions, though, where I can draw a line between the British Touring Car Championship and the 24 Hours of Le Mans and uh, something I always like to do. But Liam Griffin has been a a stalwart in the BTCC in previous years. He needs to remember not to go uh, banging into door handles of, of, of opponents, of course, but impressed very much at uh, Spa and also at the opening round for the ELMS uh, when he was pulling off some great overtakes. Had the odd spin as well at Paul Ricard, but nevertheless, um, it's someone who's getting used to that machinery and the fact that you've got no traction control and ABS Mm. on these GTE cars. Um, This, by the way, is not in traditional JMW Motorsport livery. It's not yellow. It's a WeatherTech car being Cooper McNeil's uh, effectively uh, initiative to get into the race. He was there last year too, but Jim running the car, but it is white with the WeatherTech branding on it and one of two Ferraris that got WeatherTech on the side uh, this year. Uh, And you actually bring up a good point there because quite uh, obviously for those that know, um, but I'll explain for those that don't, the reason it's often running yellow is because it's had Dunlop tyres on it. There are only Michelin tyres in GTE AM this year. Um, There is a a choice, but um, everyone has gone with Michelin. The other uh, Ferrari uh, for... 88 GTE, although I'm looking at a list there that says 458, which is just absolutely blown my mind. Um, it's the 85. Um, this is the, the second car that's got the WeatherTech sponsorship on. Again, coming out of uh, drivers who we've seen in IMSA uh, in the past. Ben Keating uh, with Jerome Blakemolen and Luca Stoltz. Now, this is an interesting one. Um, ben Keating, uh, uh, Luca uh, uh, Lucas Stoltz, Jerome Blake and Mullen and, and effectively this is Risi Competizione's entry is, is it Giuseppe Risi running the car? Uh, it's uh, Giuseppe Risi's team running the car yes. yeah, Rick Mayer and the boys uh, Biggie Simmons are all on parade at the test day and uh, that being the case you can imagine can't you how well prepared yeah. the 85 car is spectacularly so so that is a team that knows how to uh, race at Le Mans, that is a team who knows how to win at Le Mans. And that's exactly what Ben Keating has actually bought into uh, in trusting his efforts in that direction. Believe Ben, at least um, briefly, looked into seeing whether or not the potential for Ferrari, uh, sorry, Ferrari, a 4GT mm. might be a p- uh, possibility some little while ago, but uh, opted to go down the route of the Ferrari 488. Uh, Lucas Stoltz, silver driver, um, frankly, won't be a silver driver for much longer. No. Uh, very quick indeed. Jerome Bleekemolen, well, he's won this race uh, previously, LMP2, back in the Porsche RS Spider days, uh, and has won just about everything else as well. Uh, one of the busiest drivers on the planet. And, well, John, you know all about Ben Keating yeah. and his form uh, as a gentleman driver, how quick he can be. Yeah, and, and again, he's one of those drivers... Uh, I think if he gets comfortable in the car, he gets comfortable with what he's doing, um, then he'll be quick. And in Jerome Blakemolen, he's got a very quick lead driver because Jerome, I think, will be the lead driver in that car, but also someone who is an excellent mentor. It's no uh, accident that Jerome gets a lot of work. A lot of people keep asking me, why does 
Jerome not get a factory drive? Why is Jerome Blake Mullen not a factory driver? He can't afford to take the pay cut. He is working every weekend and every day in between because he's that good and he can drive anything. Uh, gentlemen, uh, we've been through the entries for GTE AM, uh, the 13 of them. Uh, I need some predictions, please. Um, pole position, I'm not sure whether these teams will uh, really care about pole positions. There's one or two that I think might. But ultimately, at the end of the 24 hours, uh, what will we be talking about in post-race tech in terms of GTE? Uh, Mr. Goodwin, your head is on the block first. Oh, lovely. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> Try not to mention everybody in the class like no, you no, normally no, but, do. But, but, well, what, what I'm going to mention in, 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 is everything in the class is I think there are potential winners from all three makes. Right. And I think that makes it a little easier, doesn't it, to kind of uh, uh, narrow it down a little bit. And for me, the three that stand out, and there's a number that do, uh, in terms of the Porsche, the Ferrari and the Aston Martin, it's the 98 car. Just they have their winning ways. That their yeah. luck has got to change at Le Mans at some point. There's the Keating Rizzi 85 car, the Ferrari, yeah. and the 77 Dempsey Proton Porsche. I just think it's going to be Porsche's year, and I think it's going to be 77. Porsche look extremely strong, Johnny. Um, the the Aston Martin uh, and the, it's now the oldest car by some margin in in that company but we've seen Aston Martin like we saw Aston, Aston Martin last year in the last run for that version of the Vantage taking a, a victory in the 24 hours in the in the pro can can it be an Aston Martin this year or does does your dart into the dartboard of GTE um, fall on a different manufacturer and a different car well, um, Graham's gone for the treble shot there, and uh, I'm not sure I can squeeze my dart alongside him. He's picked my winner. So uh, let me rethink. Um, Aston, Aston are due a win, uh, let's let's face it, and they're very strong. The 98's been very strong in other rounds of the World Endurance Championship. They just didn't look to be fast enough during almost eight hours of running uh, during test day. So I think it's all about either a Porsche or a Ferrari. And that Ferrari that was run by Risi um, has WeatherTech, has branding, but is run as Keating Motorsports. I mean, your own Blake Molen, and like, like you say, Lucas Stolt's not going to be a silver for much longer. Um, it's just all about Ben Keating and whether he can be consistent during his stints. But, um, you know, a real outsider coming from the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, they've got their entry via that up against the might of the World Endurance Championship. I think they might just be able to do it in car 85. Well, I'm sure you'll all have your favourites and you can follow along, of course, at the circuit on 91.2 FM. That's Mobile One Radio Le Mans for 2018. Around the world on RS1 and our syndicated partnership as we broadcast the whole of the 2018 Le Mans 24 hours live from Trackside. Travel Destinations is the Radio Show Limited network of channels, official travel partner, and they know more about getting people around the world to motor racing events than, well, they've forgotten more than most people ever know. And they are the people who look after the RSL team here at Le Mans. 
and make sure that everything goes smoothly. The 24 hours of Le Mans, their busiest time, of course, but it's not the only time that they can bring you down to the Circuit de la Sarthe because, of course, every other year, uh, we have the Le Mans Classic. It is Le Mans Classic this year, and Richard is joining us now from Travel Destinations. Um, a great-looking lineup again for Le Mans Classic. We used to say, oh, come to Le Mans Classic. It's a bit more relaxed than the big race. It's actually a huge, huge event now, but rightly so because it's established itself as one of the really... It's right at the forefront of the big classic events now. It, it is. As far as Europe is concerned, it's the it's the largest car club gathering in Europe. It is um, obviously being a, a biennial event every other year. Uh, it, it draws in a huge crowd. So we're talking um, 120,000 people at the last Le Mans Classic, probably anticipating that to be pushing towards 150,000 this year. Um, so in its own right, if you took it away from the Le Mans 24 hours, you'd say that is a massive massive yeah. event um obviously the le mans 24 hours we're talking 200,000 plus so it's um it's it's, it's a, the, the the baby sister if you like of the le mans classic the le mans 24 hours in that way but um a, a huge huge event in its own right and gr- and importantly growing, growing every year now you, you mentioned the car clubs there and we'll, we'll mm. talk obviously the racing is the major part of it but people mm. forget about it's easy to forget about the car club because you get very excited about the different grades and the and the guest races and we'll talk about that in a moment but what we've got here is effectively you, you might buy your ticket to come and watch whichever era of, of Le Mans races you want but for free as an added bonus you get this huge gathering of cars and literally from Alpine to Zastava oh well done <laughs> I wish I'd thought about that earlier. Um, I'm not sure there's the French Zill Owners Club turn, turn up, actually. But from A to Z of cars, they are lined up um, pretty much so this around... So this is the Bugatti circuit Yeah, area. around the so, Bugatti circuit. Yeah. yeah, so the area, if people who are, who are at Le Mans um, are, will be familiar with the Bugatti circuit area, um, it's uh, parking there, as it's called at the moment, um, or garage there. Um, all of that area is turned into a massive classic car car park. We're talking around sort of eight thousand um classic cars um coming into the circuit arranged by mark yes yes i mean there are some multi-mark areas um such as our own travel destinations um, area right on the on the curve there of the bugatti circuit and within our area we then subdivide into jaguar morgan um uh mg owners club and and so forth um triumph tr register etc 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 but anyway um so all of these areas so yes so and Porsche, for example, Porsche France have a massive um, parking area, and every um, and they and they within themselves line up. They being being of German um, heritage, I guess they then organise themselves very well into every single mark within the Porsche well, bandwagon. The, um, there are there are what's what's called registers within Porsche. Because I'm a exactly member of the Porsche right. Owners Club yeah. in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a member of various different registers. So you know, if it's a 911, it's not just a 911. Is it a 993? Is it mm-hmm. a 987? Of course. If it's a 356, is it an AB or an AC? Exactly. Etc. Etc. And they do there's a magnificent. And there's by the way. Oh, absolutely. And they're, they're 
there is a mag- they do a magnificent job actually because I know what it's like trying to shepherd cars. Yeah, you're very good. I've seen you with Hutchins. Yeah. So it's um so they do a very good job in organising theirs so that it is literally a who's who and you can go mm. walk, walk from one end to the other and go from era to era to era to era. Um. So uh, so they're very good. Um, but there's other great clubs there. You know, um, GT forties. Um, Some great weird French manufacturers though as well. Yeah, yeah. And like those, the Alpine, for like example. Yeah. These these you more the unique. Yeah. More unique um, manufacturers, and they're they're given pride of place on the Bugatti circuit as well. So, you know, you can tell from us talking here. There, the 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 Le Mans Classic is three days. So it does it's not enough. It's it's it really isn't because it opened the doors open at nine o'clock on the Friday. So unlike the Le Mans twenty four hours, which is a whole week, as we've already. Um, kind of uh, said over the over the years but the Le Mans Classic is just three days so the doors open nine o'clock on Friday and close after the race on Sunday so um, it really is a, a small event over three days of which you will not be bored throughout yeah. that time I reckon that you could from start to finish you could spend all your time in the classic car at club mm-hmm. area and in the different paddock areas for the different grids mm-hmm. And you could take all your time up from Friday to Sunday in that, and you would not waste a moment. It would take you that time to get round everything. I you thought, still wouldn't have seen anything. I thought you were going to say it's going to take you that time to drive in in the morning because of the traffic. But that's um, that's that's absolutely right. And there and you sh- what we should also highlight here, and it's unique to the Le Mans Classic, is if you're coming in your classic car mm. um, and you're booking to park on the on the Bugatti circuit, say you so let's, let's say you're booking with travel destinations because let's face it, why wouldn't you? Um, whatever mark you come in, um, speak to us if you're coming in your classic or sports. Car, um, because there is exceptions to mm-hmm. the, the classic car rule, um, you can then purchase laps around the circuit. Now, we're not talking Strip. the Bugatti circuit. We're talking the full Le Mans circuit. So this is the only time that I'm aware of where you can take yeah. your own personal car onto the full Le Mans circuit. You can be in, Steve McQueen. Right, yeah, in race setup. Yeah. So it's not a race. No. So you're not purchasing to race. You do need to wear a helmet. That is compulsory, um, as it is on all tracks these days. But you can purchase two laps of the full Le Mans circuit so that you can drive through the start-finish straight. Under round, the Dunlop under Bridge. Under the Dunlop. Uh, iconic Dunlop there's Bridge. No, there's no better sight. I've done it. Uh, I did it a few years ago with Aston Martin and came through, came out the pit lane. And just coming out the pit lane and driving towards it is one thing when you're actually on the flying lap and you come through the first corner and then you see it it's it's a heart stopping thing to do it is, and and these are the sort of thing and I know we've all driven down the mole sand straight on you know a, a when it's open to the public and we've all gone, oh, yes, this is the mod. But to be able to do that oh, in race, you know, without traffic coming the other way, um, mm-hmm. in, in race setup is fantastic. Mulsanne all the way around. And obviously from um, Arnage onwards now is, is mm. private roads. So point. you can't do that anymore. So there's an opportunity. So I think it's a fantastic opportunity to do. Um, we have um, hundreds of, of people that do it every year, every other year, obviously, for the, every of classic, um, Le Mans Classic event. So uh, they all come off huge smiles beaming smiles proper Cheshire Cat stuff Love it. Um, and they they just kind of can't believe we just did if that. you've taken your car down I, I think it's a no brainer if you've got a decent car well to you've do done it. the same thing at the Spa Classic oh, you, you joined us I, at the Spa Classic skeptical. last year didn't you I was, uh, yeah, I was yeah, sceptical because yeah, yeah. I don't normally go for that sort of thing and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So very much, very much recommend that. Um, um, so that's that's the that's you participating in the event. But of yeah. course, you're then there to watch 
proper racing. So I think everybody now has got the idea that the the Le Mans Classic is 24 hours of racing from the classic start time, the traditional start time, yes. um, in the afternoon of Saturday through 24 hours. Now, not all of the cars are on the track at the same time. They're split up and they all have their races, one in the afternoon, so one of the six, evening. Six different grids right. that will go out for roughly an hour each time. Yep. Um, and they will each race three times. Um, that doesn't add up to 24, I know. But, um, and yeah, but they will clean up time. Yeah, right. absolutely. And, um, and they will run over, believe me, because they mm. always do. Um, so they will all go out. So you will see every car race in the um, daylight, yeah. in full darkness, yeah. and in either or um, dusk or dawn. dawn. Yeah. So you'll get, you know, for those photographers out there that want to get the the nice shots, then you can you can get those on in dawn or dusk. So there's six different grids, um, and they're, they're, they're split done, up by years. Split maybe. up by years, yeah. So for example, and I won't go through all six grids, but um, Plateau One, which is you know pre-war stuff, um, that's right all all way. cars that raced from. Uh, at Le Mans from 1923 to 1939. And the last grid is from when to when? So the last grid no, is Plateau, um, Plateau six. 6 is 1972 to 1981. Now, so now it's that used there. to be the cutoff and that yes. was it. Yes. That used to be the However, cutoff. However, yeah. by, back by popular demand this year, and, mm-hmm. and the Group C cars is what a lot of people <laughs> of my era yeah. got turned on to Le Mans properly with all right Le Mans the movie yeah absolutely but after that when I was really interested it was the group C cars and people still hanker for the days of group C and a few years ago it was decided I think very smartly to bring the group C cars in as a quote-unquote guest race Mm -hmm. Uh, they've been back a couple of times since they're back again this year they're not the only guest race now. We've expanded no. now to bring in a number of so guest now, categories. Yeah, so now you've got the six grids uh, who are officially part of the Le Mans Classic, and you have four, sub, for want of a better word, support, support races. races. Good, yes. Okay, like so there are two invitationals. One is the Porsche Classic race. Right. So kind of does what it says on the tin. Yep. Classic Porsches racing around the circuit, just a single mark. A very similar um, one this time for Jaguar. Ooh. So, you know, you're going to be looking at E-types, D-types, um, the works right through to the XJR9. Ooh, um, really? So, yep. So, that's so a big mixed category, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, that's... Is that going to be a race? Yes, it's going to be a race, isn't it? It's, it's, of course it is. But Don't it's, care. Yeah, Lots yeah, of yeah. Jags. But, obviously, Jaguar's on track. What's not Jaguar to like? Jaguar on the What's not to like? Yeah. Then, you've got your Group C cars. So now we're talking 1980s, 1990s. I know this is difficult for people to comprehend that this is still a classic right? oh. <laughs> event because we can remember it all too well. The, honestly, I could watch those cars race anywhere. But at Le Mans, um, they used to support, they have supported the main race in the past. And, you know, I think one of the reasons that they don't do that so often now is because they actually get more attention. Great colour yeah. schemes, fabulous classic liveries they sound different to each other so you know when it's a big jaguar coming down Mm -hmm. you know when it's one of the other marks that have a v8 or a v6 or a you know one of the porsches or whatever it is you can just oh man it's and seeing them on you know that's their natural habitat isn't it for that's the thing you're seeing them on the the very track 
that you first remembered seeing mm. them. They are, uh, you know, in the wild on their on their, and they and they are proper racing. Oh, yeah, They're not yeah. here as part of just a display. Well, some of, some of the is... guys who drive them are f- fairly serious. Nick Manassian has driven oh, them yeah. in the past, and one or two other. Jensen Button's going to be driving uh, a car at Classic this year, he a is. Jaguar. Yeah, yeah. That Jaguar that I mentioned earlier, he's gonna he's gonna be in that. He's racing for JD Classics, isn't he? Mm. So he's he's gonna be in Group C. He's learning the the uh, the track earlier, a couple of weeks. Yeah, I've, yeah, it's a minor race. It's a that's a that's a you know practice support race, I believe. <laughs> so um, and then the fourth of our support races in inverted commas is Global Endurance Legends. Love now it. this does kind of tick my box. Um, Seeing those guys at Spa a couple of times, they yeah, used to support the WEC. They, they are. And, 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 you know, this takes us, we're now kind of really pushing the, border, the, mm. the borders of classic racing here because um, it's taken it through to 2010. So now you've got the history of Le Mans on one weekend at the track from 1923 through to 2010. 2010. What's not to like? To like? Now, it's, it's incredible. Now, there are several ways that you could go down and do that. Um, travel destinations being your first choice, of course. But there is a very special offer that you're about to tell okay. our listeners about. Mm-hmm. That You cannot find this offer anywhere else, ladies and gentlemen. You are about to hear it only on this airway on these airwaves right now from Richard Tour. Listen carefully and take notes if you fancy going to Classic Le Mans and saving yourself some money this year. Okay. Because... We love Radio Le Mans listeners and um, the Midweek Motorsport Collective and things. And we really hope that they like us mm-hmm. and love us as well. So I've come up, we've come up with this offer. Now, this is for the Le Mans Classic this year. You won't find, as John says, you won't find this on the website um, because this is for Radio Le Mans listeners only. It is for four nights hotel accommodation for the Le Mans Classic. So this is arriving Thursday night before... Mm-hmm. So that you're there for the gates opening at nine o'clock on Friday morning. Refreshed and ready to go. Absolutely. So it's Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Bed and breakfast in a, the, a hotel Ibis. It's only 1.2 miles, because I said one mile before, 1.2 miles um, on, from, three stops from on the, the tram. It's, it is. It is. It's, it's, it's within a short walk of the tram stop, the nearest tram stop, and the tram takes you straight into the centre of the circuit, as we know at Antares. So you don't have to drive in. You can drive in if you want. Hotel Hotel has fully secure car park. It has so its own, so own basically restaurant. So you could turn up on Thursday night and park your car up and not move till move your car. If you didn't want on. to, if you didn't want to, the you tram could. Works you know, me. the tram the tram is perfect for me, and you avoid all the the broken down classic cars coming into the circuit as well. But anyway, that's another story. So you got four nights bed and breakfast, hotel accommodation in a twin or a double room. So you got the impression. You're covered for accommodation. We will include entrance tickets to the event, of right. course, but also paddock access. Okay. I think that's really, really important yeah. because the place, the place where I'm going to be spending most of my time, and I am going to be at the Le Mans Classic, so I will be wandering around the paddocks. Um, you will be able to stop me and say hello. Um, so you'll get into and that includes the support races so that you will get into the Global Endurance Legends, the Group C cars, right. as well as all the six different paddocks. So we'll include that in there. And we'll also throw in a Dover to Calais ferry crossing for those if they're coming from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so the price for all of this would normally retail at quite a high number. Mm-hmm. For, for Radio Le Mans listeners, we will do this for you as a special for 499 per person. So wow. £499 sterling per person. So um, that's £100,000 for two people. <laughs> it's four hundred and ninety-nine pounds per person. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. So, 
There you go. See what so, I did there? It's very clever. Um, so now you only that's get this. That's a substantial discount. Yeah, that's that's an, about £300 a head discount from the advertised price. Right. Okay. Um, very limited numbers. Very limited numbers. And how we, do we get onto okay, that right this, now? Pick this up the telephone. is telephone only. Okay. You need to phone travel destinations. When we answer the phone, you say you want the Radio Le Mans offer for Le Mans Classic. So you right. have to say Radio Le Mans, otherwise you won't get this offer. Right. Okay, so this is specifically for listeners listening now. You can now phone. Whenever you're hearing this, give us and a call. And what's the phone number? Okay, so the phone number is if you're in the UK. You can ring 0844-873-0203. Once more. 0844-873-0203. Right. Or if you're outside the UK and this offer stands, stands the same, obviously you may not need the channel crossing, that's no problem. Um, so you ring us on um, plus 44 for the UK, then 1707 32 Double nine, double eight. Only on the phone. Only on the phone because this is not available online, or you, so you won't, won't see. see it you won't see it online. You will see it at a completely different price, but you won't see it right. online. This is not going to be advertised anywhere else apart from here for Radio Le Mans listeners. It is a proper exclusive, and there obviously limited numbers. We will have a member of staff at the hotel, so you will be looked after. You any questions, they will answer for yep. you. Um, that will be my colleague Graham. Um, um, and he'll be there. So, um, yeah, you, it's a it's a fantastic package for a fantastic event at a fantastic price. And we really, really hope that you will want to come and join us. Pick up the telephone now and just give me that 0844 number again. You're testing me. 0844-873-0203. Thank you, Richard. Pick up the telephone, dial it now if you want to go to Le Mans Classic this year at a cracking price with travel destinations. Global One, Radio Le Mans for 2018, 91.2 FM around the circuit, around the world on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. It's tradition that we look through the entry list. So wherever you are in the world or heading down to the circuit, you have the opportunity to arrive at least knowing a little bit about what you're going to see. We're going to take a look in this part of our preview lineup uh, at the entry for Le Mans GTE Pro. Johnny Palmer joins me uh, from Radio Show Limited. Hello, Johnny. Hello, John. And Graham Goodwin is with me, editor of DailySportsCard.com. Hello, chaps. Hello, chaps. Uh, Graham's nursing um, a bit of a post-test day cold. Uh, there's something in the air conditioning, I reckon. Uh, GTE Pro, 17 cars, 17 quality cars. Um I'm sorry to have to do this right. First of all, I'm going to say I'm tremendously excited about the GTE Pro ranks. And I think it's one of the battles that we are going to be talking an awful lot about. Uh, It has been in the past. Last year, we had a proper old-fashioned grandstand finish. Not an old-fashioned endurance grandstand finish. An old-fashioned 24-minute dash type finish. But we've got to start here, Graham, with balance of performance. Um, Or should I say... It's been a right performance of balancing because the I listened to the Mobile One Radio Le Mans test day coverage. I was coming back from IMSA, sitting in the uh, American Airlines lounge at Chicago Sunday morning, early, waiting for my day flight. Uh, it, 
had the timing up as well. It seems to me that there are a couple of manufacturers who might not be showing all their game. And I'm sorry to have to say that. But once again, we're going to start about talking about this one of the best classes and not talking about it in a great light. Well, first things first, I don't think I've ever been to Le Mans with as good a GT class. Agreed. The depth of this class is absolutely extraordinary. But yes, the kind of run up to it, John, you're absolutely right. It's been rather blunted by, well, just the the game playing, you know, and it's it's frustrating. It's actually quite boring um, because you've got, you know, people running a corporate line uh, on both sides. We're trying, they're not, we're in mm. trouble, blah, blah, blah. And of course, we don't really know. All I would say that if I was BMW and Aston Martin and I was that far away, frankly, I wouldn't bother turning up. <laughs> so, the, so the reality is you're not uh, that no. far away and we'll find that out soon enough. Um, Whether or well, not we get an adjustment before that, John, yes. is a different matter. Well, and this is part of the game now, unfortunately. Um, the new algorithm was meant to put all this to one side. Uh, the non-manual way of doing it it was supposed to be put results at times in one end and it spits out at at the other but I I mean in other big races this year we've seen teams doing it Audi were doing it at the Nürburgring Nordschleifer ultimately it didn't affect the result of the 24 um, uh, hours there uh, ostensibly uh, Johnny I mean the algorithm is, is supposed to do this for the WEC, but bizarrely, it's not in force here uh, for, the, for the 24 hours. So there's a, there is a bit of game playing here, and it kind of just takes the sparkle of what should be a very, very good class indeed. Uh, yeah, it, it has done for the initial running, um, and you know, test days two weeks before the event are typically very difficult to read. But we did have a, an interesting fight between... I mean, Ford seemed to be happy to go pretty quickly. They weren't going as fast as they would go in qualifying, but I think they were trying to find a race pace and all four four GTs topped the times at one point. Porsche seemed to be working through a little bit of other stuff through the day and then when they trimmed the cars out for the last hour and a half or so and they were up there too. But as Graham says, it's the, it's the bigger cars, the front engine cars that either are genuinely struggling or are just reining the pace back a bit. But I, I fear for Aston Martin, particularly because we'll move on to this in a second, but particularly because they're effectively a car down now as well, and there's a lot of work to be done before the race starts. Um, but they were behind some of the AM cars on pace, you know, something like sixth or seventh in the AM division. So, I mean, you would you would hope that they don't think that's the way to go for balance of performance because because surely... That can be seen through. And also, <laughs> the ACO have access to GPS these days, so they can work out, you know, not only what the, sp- the speed of the cars are through the individual sectors, but also if you give it, a, give the circuit a span of 100 metres anywhere you choose, they can work out how fast the car is going and, and whether it's genuinely on full song. Uh, I really hope that we don't get the quite frankly, farcical situations that we've had in the past with Le Mans, where this dominates the the conversation. And what I really don't want to see is any changes in between practice qualifying, uh, practice on Wednesday and qualifying on Wednesday and Thursday, and the race on Saturday. Sadly, I think that's what some teams 
are, are going for. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to put that aside. We'll talk plenty about it, I'm sure, when the cars are on the track. Let's go through from top to bottom. Um, three Ferraris, two right at the top of the entry list, 51 and 52 with the two AF Corsa uh, entries. Uh, Alessandro Perghidi, James Collado, Daniel Serra, Tony Vlander, Antonio Giovinazzi and Pipo Durrani. Let's start there, Graham. Uh, Pipo was absolutely... I mean, on the bottom, he's, he's never exactly down, people, is he? But he was on full, full happy mode when I was talking to him at uh, at Detroit before he, he fired himself across the Atlantic to test day. Didn't have the result he wanted in Detroit, although he took pole position with a stunning lap in the prototype car. Great to have him back. And both of these AF Corsa Ferraris, 51 and 52, the 51 being the full season WEC entry, they look strong. And of course, this is the Evo version of the 488 GTE. Yeah, it is the Evo version. They've had a slight disappointment with some of the front downforce being taken away in the balanced performance and wind tunnel tests. But it's, you know, we're going to get used to this in the next kind of 40 minutes or so. It, two stellar squads, no doubt about it. Alessandro Pierre Guidi, James Collado, a uh, massively capable pairing. Daniel Serra, I think, one of the quickest in a GT car on the planet right now. And mm. of course, reigning champion from GTM last year with JMW. Uh, Daniel Serra. Do you remember when people uh, um, when Daniel got the job and people said, oh, I'm not sure he's the right man for the job. Uh, he's rather answered his critics, hasn't he? More than John. It did uh, <laughs> several several years of background testing for Dunlop on their uh, their uh, tyre programme and you know, several people realised that what that gave them was someone who really, really understood the how to get the absolute best out of a GT car in changing conditions uh, as the tyres kind of went through the cycle. And he's just it, truly talented. So we've got a Brazilian in either of the two first two cars uh, because we've got uh, Peter Pipo Durrani and a, good, a happy people is a good people. Oh, yeah. Um, Antonio Giovinazzi, uh, one of the ex-Formula 1 talents, and there's plenty of those. Oh, yeah. Um, and his first time in effectively a Ferrari-blessed entry at this kind of level. And Tony Volander. Um, who still one of the fastest men in a GT car. And that's another phrase we're going to get used yeah. to saying in the next 40 minutes. This is going to be really tricky to pick them apart. One thing quickly to say, the 52 car, different colour scheme to the 51 and 71 in a kind of rather more, ah, I don't know what you call it. It's like an F1 Ferrari red from a slightly earlier era, a decade ago, that's... Uh, that particular shade of orangey red as ah. opposed to the candy, almost uh, dark red of the 51 and 71. Stunning colour, I think, for the fact the two WC cars this year. Uh, I Yes, I, I see what you're seeing. Um, the other car that Graham mentioned there is the third AF Corsa entry. That is the 71. That's the second of the WEC 488 GTE Evos. Davide Regon and Sam Bird. The Sam and Dave show um, is growing Johnny, into one of those uh, partnerships that we talk about an awful lot in endurance racing. And it's very strong indeed. Miguel Molina will have to slot into that, the the Spaniard. But you've got to say that, you know, the two that two F courses that uh, Graham's just talked about would be good enough for any team. But to have a, a three cars uh, as good as they are, including that 71 car, my goodness, the F Corsa look strong. 
They certainly do. And the cars look the business as well this year, continuing pretty much the the paint scheme from 2017. There's no weak link, by the way, bringing Miguel Molina in to join Sam and Dave. Uh, We'll have to try and work out which band He's part of, though, eventually. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's a a cracking lineup. Uh, It is all about, really, your C drivers, because these days in the WEC, teams tend to run with just the two pilots. Uh, So it's about kind of integrating that extra driver in to do a third of the race or something similar. Um, But, yeah, they've got some cracking. I mean, this is effectively a a factory effort, isn't it? Amato Ferrari's um, uh, company running Ferrari 488s on Ferrari's behalf. And these cars look very strong. They took a while again to bubble to the surface during test day, but I think they're going to be there or thereabouts. And uh, Alessandro Pierre Guidi and James Collado are current world endurance champions from 17. Do they start as favourites as a result? Daniel Serra moving from Aston Martin into a Ferrari, uh, but he'll get used to that very, very quickly indeed. Yeah, and a slightly harder edge to the engine note of the 488. They're, they're not at Porsche 911 RSR levels of audio gorgeousness, but there's just been a little tweak for, to my ear, just hearing it uh, over Mobile One Radio Le Mans 91.2 FM from the, the test day. At 63 and 64 are Corvette Racing, uh, Corvette Racing Dash GM this year. The C7R. We expect to see Jan Magnus and Antonio Garcia together and Ollie Gavin and Tommy Milner together. Those are the partnerships from the IMSA Championship that we cover all year over on RS2 IMSA Radio. Uh, Mike Rockenfeller added to the 63. Marcel Fesler hop Suisse to the 64. And there's two drivers, Graham Goodwin, uh, that uh, really don't take anything away when you put them in. I mean, those guys, uh, you, you, you'd you not be surprised to see them in full-time drives in the WEC, in IMSA, uh, in anywhere. They are that good. Um, a little bit of change in the, the lineup from last year, but both of those drivers have driven the long races before for Corvette. And both of them have won this race overall, of yeah, course. Good point. Uh, one of a number of guys in this class that have done so, and we'll get to number more we talk about Porsche Corvette um on the face of it coming in with perhaps less new than anybody other than Ford mm. but somehow this one they just raised their game yes. uh, the the C7R uh, is this going to be the final year we see that car at the Le Mans 24 hours in factory hands I strongly suspect it will be but uh, they've always got something to bring to this game do they? Do they? Um, I mean, we, we've talked about this in the in the past, Graham. They've had a, a decent uh, start, very decent start to the IMSA season. Uh, do they start at a disadvantage, not having raced in Europe, not having raced on the European spec, um, WEC spec Michelin tyre, and all uh, of the uh, runners in this particular category are on uh, Michelin? Or, or, or does that not really matter when you've got? Pratt and Miller and GM Corvette and Corvette Racing under Doug Feehan. I mean, do they ostensibly you might look like they've they've got a disadvantage, but does that not really matter anymore? Everything matters. Everything is <laughs> a fact. It's a factor, isn't it? It is a factor. It is something else that there'll be more boxes that they will have to tick. But it's a team of such astounding levels of experience here that you have to you know, believe that they're going to come in pretty strong right from the off. Hmm. 
a big name from the US there, Corvette Racing, as you're listening to our preview of Le Mans GTE Pro for the 24 hours this year. All the action, of course, live from trackside right throughout race week. Uh, and you won't miss a single moment when the cars are out on track on Mobile One Radio Le Mans 91.2 FM around the circuit, around the world on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. And if we're talking about big uh, American names, then Chip Ganassi is another one. Uh, four cars that bear his name. Four Chip Ganassi, Team UK for two, and Team USA. Two distinctly different outfits being run by, uh, on opposite sides of the Atlantic, obviously, but with the Ford GT. Let's take the UK ones first of all, Johnny. They are the full-season WEC entrants, so they uh, ran at Spa, and I'll talk about that uh, in in a moment, Stefan Mucker, Oli Pla, and Billy Johnson uh, drafted into the. Uh, excuse me. Uh, yes, and uh, Billy Johnson drafted into the UK. I confused myself there. Uh, and Tony Canan uh, joins Harry Tinknell and Andy Prior, the normal drivers in the 67. So 66 and 67, the UK cars with two uh, more well-known American drivers in Billy Johnson, who is from the USA, and Tony. Canaan, the Brazilian. How have they been going? Uh, how were they going in Spa and how did they go at the test day? Uh, we missed Tony, of course, because he had some other race he was doing in Detroit or Summit. So uh, there was a clash there. And he was we still uh, indie carring it, yes. He was still indie carring it, as uh, other members of the team were doing too. So Andy Prio and Harry Ticknell. Uh, ran the test on their own, and they're used to that, of course, running the World Endurance Championship. Uh, they haven't had a great start to the championship as such, with Harry having a big accident at Eau Rouge, um, which destroyed, unfortunately, the 67 car, but they've rebuilt it. And, oh, have uh, they? Or is that... Is that I, I heard that that was the spare chassis from the States, which... Well, I wouldn't be surprised, actually. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I was using rebuilt as in they've had to go to another car almost. Uh, yeah, right, yes. That, I'm sure that's right, um, because it was destroyed not only in the front, but also down the left side, too, because he went in big style. Uh, thankfully... Harry walked away, unlike Pietro Fittipaldi, who had a very similar accident in the same race. Uh, and, and the 67 car, uh, Graham, uh, Tony Canaan is a bit short of time in that because of that accident uh, at Spa. Absolutely right. We, we saw the scenes in the garage with Tony showing real concern about Harry Tanknell before we saw uh, HT uh, step out the car. So, yes, he does come in with a bit of a disadvantage, not having done the race planned at Spa. And, of course, Johnny quite rightly says, not making the test because of his IndyCar commitments and coming with a, uh, uh, you know, another of his Ford colleagues. So, 67, for me, you know, a strong squad, but come in just a little bit uh, the heel of a back foot. Um, the USA portion, Johnny Palmer, of the... Uh, Ford Chip Ganassi team, uh, 68 and 69, Joy Han, Dirk Muller and Sebastian Baudet. Um, great to have Sebastian back in his uh, native Le Mans. And, I mean, both of those cars, along with Ryan Briscoe, Richard Westbrook, they're the uh, standard drivers from IMSA. Scott Dixon, the New Zealander, uh, back again uh, in the long race as well. This looks like a strong four-car team from Ford Chip Ganassi. 
It certainly does. And uh, they've put in not only some good times so far around Lassart, but also quite a lot of mileage, it seemed, too. And uh, we're keen to just keep chugging around to improve the data span. And, you know, they were in one of those teams, along with Porsche, uh, that uh, have, you know, four cars. So you've got four times the amount of data coming in. And um, I think it was a useful session for them. They might be frustrated to have been pipped to the post by two Porsches in the end, uh, come the end of the day. But I think as far as race pace is concerned, they will be very, very happy. Um, and they didn't get, to my knowledge, didn't get any damage from the day either. Uh, when you consider how much damage was incurred at Spa with the 67. And, uh, you know, they've already done a plenty of work in uh, in bringing a spare car into the mix. Uh, how much will that affect them, do you think, Graham, in terms of their mindset, but also... We know one of the reasons that there's not a GTE am Ford GT, and there were people who wanted to take them to Le Mans this year, Ben Keating being one of them, is that the Chip Ganassi team on both sides of the Atlantic were rather worried about the availability of spare components, gearboxes, engines, etc. And you sort of look at that and go... Really? Uh, how how can that possibly be? And and, and that big accident for Tinks, um, that that's already put a strain on them pre the pre the Le Mans effort. Uh, it, it certainly will have done, but uh, I think it's it's a it's a matter of kind of proportion, isn't it? Uh, the way that uh, Chip, Chip Canassi's organisation decides on what's an appropriate level of spares might be rather different from another organisation. So, mm-hmm. you know, is it a matter of not having the edge? percentage edge in terms of stock that they would like with a program at this level or is it that we're just on i can't believe on starvation rations for that kind of stuff <laughs> and this kind of effort the question of course is um is going to be is this going to be the penultimate time we see these cars or at least four of them uh, at the le mans 24 hours i hope not um i think there'll, there'll be one lesson certainly they'll have taken from one of their competitors here i hope that if next year is the final year we see it they take some lessons from two of the porsches yeah and the surprise they sprung at the test day yeah and well, we'll get to that in a, in a wee moment I, i'm actually surprised to see all four cars there i didn't expect to see the uh, the american team come over um the original run for the ford gt was extended until the end of this year in terms of funding and the USA guys are in no way sure what goes on in 19. I believe though that the WEC funding and certainly the driver's contracts contracts has been have been extended uh, into yep. the end of Le Mans next year which of course because we've, we're running across two calendar years for WEC. For Jib Canassi they don't leave much uh, in the fast draw they will come out and they will be competitive in, and in some ways I think a lot of Ford fans might want to see them compete um, on a more level playing field and they might be actually at the downhill side of the level playing field in GTE Pro this year so a win for them this year might actually mean more to the purist than the one that they got the first time they came around the new team this year and welcome back to BMW the 81 and 82 cars are the M8 GTEs running under the team M Tech banner uh, and it's Martin Tom Chick, Nicky Katzberg, Philip Eng. So Eng, the Austrian, uh, the Nicky Katzberg is listed as uh, Netherlands driver. And the German Tom Chick, uh, 
Tom Chick, uh, we're getting used to seeing him uh, in BMWs down through the years. The other team, Augusta Farfus, uh, another touring car refugee, Antonio Felix de Costa and Alexander Sims. What do we know about what they did uh, at Test Day? They were one of the teams, undoubtedly, uh, Graham, who were playing the balance of performance game in terms of their, their pace. We um, strongly suspect they were. Well, they were. We did see one one-off lap where uh, one of the two cars just, you know, leapt up the order, uh, then to be shuffled down by improvements uh, elsewhere. The M8, big, handsome car, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Yet, I think to really show the kind of form that we. Uh, you know, would expect from a BMW factory entry. Team MTech, very new. Yes, they've got some people who've been involved in endurance racing, but this is one hell of a big stage for a brand new car with a new team uh, operating at this level uh, to come out to play with. Um, again, you know, a two-car uh, driver squad of real quality, uh, but of all the teams... Uh, I'd have suggested, John, that this is the one that perhaps would have a uh, a more ready call on the excuse book right. uh, this year. This year, at least, uh, I think there's, there's the, the, we're certainly not going to see see the best of the BMW M8 in 2018. There will be more to come from a brand new package. Let's not forget the car itself was late. Jens Markart told us as long ago as not this year's uh, Nürburgring 24, but last year's uh, Nürburgring 24, that the initial concept had to be shelved. They almost had to go back to the drawing board because some of the changes that they wanted to make were outside GTE regulations and needed full approval from all the other manufacturers, and that approval wasn't coming. But the... Uh, rejection of the changes came at a very late point in the uh, in the process, so they had to uh, sort of reevaluate how the car was going to run. Who are Team MTech? Is this a, Johnny a team under a, another name? Is this a Schnitzer or a BMW team that we've seen in the past? Uh, no, they. I mean, the, the majority of their backstory is in DTM actually, and they still have a DTM team um, located in Bavaria. And uh, it's Ernest Knors, the Dutchman, who's the team principal. But no, um, no connection with Schnitzer, Schnitzer as far as I know, unless they've had sort of conversations prior to coming in. But their experience is actually racing uh, saloon cars. Not that much of a, a radical departure from that. Uh, Jens Markart has gone on record saying one of the big uh, challenges for them to bring the M8 to Le Mans is actually stripping all the weight out of it mm. in order for it to be competitive. And obviously, balance of performance gets it to a level par, or that's the aim. Uh, but um, it's a big footprint. Historically, big footprint cars are slightly better on tyres than maybe Porsche because they're, uh, you know, there's less wear when the, the things turn. But the problem is that are they a bit like an oil tanker in turning? Uh, there's quite a large fr- frontal area too, a bit like the Aston Martin. So not as slippery as a Ferrari and a Porsche would think. I like stable cars at Le Mans. The Porsche curves, uh, slightly longer wheelbase. Uh, the, the car needs to be stable through there. If it's fast, uh, BMWs in recent terms have not been the fastest thing in a straight line because they tend to be 
uh, quite downforce laden. Um, certainly that's been the experience in the IMSA competition with the cars that have run over there. That's Again, that would help you in the Porsche curves, but you're going to be slower down down the uh, long straight bits of which there are several at Le Mans of course I'm interested to see that car running in the European team's hands obviously I've seen it in the States they've had a difficult start to their season the balance of performance still sort of getting uh, squared away for uh, those guys in the States as well with the RLL the Rahal Letterman Lanigan team uh, Porsche uh, just nine... before we move on actually yes, Tom, go sorry, ahead. Just, just to make a point about Augusto Farfers and Philip Eng for that matter they weren't at test day because they were uh, busy with DTM, DTM in Hungary. Philip Eng's fine. He was last at Le Mans in 2016, but Augusto Farfus hasn't been there since 2011. So needed oh, really? to do 10 laps uh, during so the test ha- day. So he'll have to do those on the first Wednesday session then? I think so. And a bit of force majeure may uh, be necessary, but, um, you know, a, a man of his experience, he should be fine. I always think that's dangerous because you have any problems on that first session and that driver is not going to qualify. Uh, a platinum driver is allowed to uh, miss out the rookie laps or the orientation laps at the test day, uh, as Johnny was explaining. But he's got to then do them in the first and only practice session which is the early part of Thursday, uh, Wednesday's running. Uh, Porsche GT have the numbers 91 through to 94 um, in GTE Pro and they pulled an absolute blinder at the test day. Um, I, I'm going to have a word with Frank Stefan Valliser because he they played their cards very close to their chest. I was talking to him about classic liveries, would you believe, at the Nürburgring Nordschleife. I'm never playing poker with the man, Graham, because he gave nothing away. And it turned we turn up with the 91 and 92 car in the uh, old Rothmans 962-956 style livery and the pink pig livery as well uh, for the 92. Two classic Le Mans liveries, two classic Porsche uh, liveries, I mean, particularly in the case of Rothmans, that went across everything from rally cars to Le Mans cars. And the garages themselves have been decked out uh, in to, to make it look like they're brick built inside. They've got driver portraits in um, in in wooden frames and even their toolboxes have been wrapped to make them look like wood it's brilliantly done all for the 70th anniversary of Porsche of course uh, spot on I mean I have to say I have been somewhat critical of Porsche and their livery policy over the last <laughs> half a decade um, <laughs> uh, my first moment in the Le Mans press room for the test day uh, Went to the window, as I always do once I'm settled uh, in the press room. Looked down. Oh, my God. Look at that. These two cars just look absolutely splendid. Brilliant effort from the team. Um, It's going to be a huge fan draw. Uh, If I were going to offer one minor criticism, we know they can't have Rothmans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could have put racing. Yes. Uh, I think that would have been perfection yeah, that's and that, both, and that happened at, at times in various markets in period uh, it, it did it had that uh, had that on i understand though it's the 70th anniversary yeah, yeah, yeah. i can i can i can forgive them that believe it or not by the way by so that was saturday wasn't it or was it friday yes. saturday when that's that was saturday uh, yeah. of, of test weekend when that was revealed by the time i got home on sunday evening 
those liveries had already been put up uh, for Forza. Uh, and obviously, with this, the Forza John Eindhoff Bounty Hunter Challenge at the moment at Le Mans. And that car, the RSR, is one that you can use. Uh, and so I have downloaded the Pink Pig. And I've been running around in the uh, the Pink Pig to put my times in. I reckon it's worth at least three or four tenths, uh, quite, quite frankly. Um, the cars underneath are, um, as we would expect, the RSR, so the mid-rear engine cars. Uh, the teams are as we would expect as well. The two WEC enters, entered cars for Richard Leeds, Jimmy Bruni, Fred Makovecki and Michael Christensen, Kevin Estra and Laurence Van Tour. Um, Porsche and Le Mans go together like, um, well, pink pig bacon and eggs. And uh, I mean, Patrick Pele, Nick Tandy, Earl Ban- Bamba, Romain Dumas, Timo Bernard, Sven Muller in the 93 and 94. You could actually could have picked those out of a hat, Graham, for any of the the driver trios in there, and you wouldn't have been any worse than what's written down there right now. It's a staggering driver lineup across all four cars. Is John. that the we've strongest got... driver lineup we've ever seen in a factory GT team at Le Mans across well, four cars? Well, look at it. You've got four previous overall winners of the race. You've got Jean-Marie Bruni, a multiple class champion. You've got Ricard Leitz, uh, who is the only uh, Porsche man, only man that's taken the drivers' championship away from uh, Ferrari mm. uh, in the in the in the past of the WEC. Um, you've got Lawrence Van Tor, the FI GT World Cup uh, world champion mm. in the '92 car. Uh, it's an astonishing lineup, and these cars are fabulous. They have, to this point in their career, underperformed, uh, but it just you know you watch these cars in IMSA racing. I watched them in WEC that shows every sign of just being on the cusp of a breakthrough, at which point life for everybody else is going to get an awful lot tougher. So um, I think these are look, the, one of the parts of the genius here. Look, Porsche doesn't um, doesn't lack fans worldwide in any mm. case. What that effort with the two WEC cars will have done is to draw a huge amount of trackside support to them. Yeah. No doubt in my mind, the way these cars look, the way these cars sound, and the way these guys will make them go will make these big fun favourites this, this year. Uh, the uh, uh, Krapovich exhaust system that was bolted onto the car uh, this time last year, actually, and I remember Correct. it well. Yep. It's one of those things, and I think, Johnny, I, I was standing with you in the in the back of the paddock, and, and I think you might have been there as well, Graham, and we heard something running on the airfield. And to this day, I remember it because it was such a distinctive sound that I actually thought was a, it was a prototype um, running... Um, running something special and and when we finally got a view of what was going around there as I was driving out and it was a, a GT car I was astounded words really cannot describe how that car sounds from trackside and going through the almost tunnel like tribunes on the start finish line sort of intensifies that I could hear it through your mics in the uh, Mobile One Radio Le Mans uh, booth at test day every time a Porsche went through a GT Pro or a GTM car I could tell it it's an extraordinary sound isn't it it certainly is and um, you know we're only getting sort of third and fourth gear past the effects mics on the main straight but what I've done since uh, the test weekend is gone to social media and there are plenty of uh, sort of fan filmed footage 
from the Ford chicane. Lots of Fs there. But nice you can always tell when the Porsche comes through, and it was often sideways across a curb as well. But, I mean, that thrash, basically, as the throttle is unleashed and they power their way up through Dunlop Curve, it's epic. And they tended to run together as well. So you had often all four coming through together, having been released from the pit lane like that. Um yeah, that fun game that you play at night when you're trying to get some sleep uh, with your eyes closed, you will be able to tell when the Porsches are coming through. Porsche and uh, the Corvettes are probably two of the more uh, distinctive GT uh, sounds. Uh, long may the flat six reign. I, you know, I'll put my hand up. I, I, I love the flat six. And, and I, I, there is something about a Porsche flat six at Le Mans that is just inherently uh, right. Porsche are taking this very serious this this year, Graham. The liveries are, are, are an, a nice nod to their history, but the 70th anniversary means a lot to Porsche. Uh, they've stretched their lead over their uh, their cousin brand, Audi, in terms of overall uh, win uh, once again, and, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So this is the focus this year. They've got the safety cars out there at the front of the field as well, with a bit of Tarantara for WEC and for Le Mans. They've got Jimmy Bruni in his first Le Mans for Porsche. There's an awful lot of things here that Porsche needs to get right. They want their headlines. I, I think they are... Uh, just looking at them, they look quietly confident about what's going on down at the Circuit de la Sarthe this year. Uh, they do, and just to make it, my, make it easier for myself when you get to the inevitable question after we finish this bit, um, <laughs> I think they show every every sign that this could be a breakthrough with that car. Yeah, um, it is. Were they running astounding. flat out, Graham? Do you think they were running flat out? They were. The they were definitely running flat yeah, out. Yeah, me too. They were definitely running flat out, and it's it is. Unusually, a car that's going to define part of the coverage for Radio Le Mans, Mobile One Radio Le Mans this year, John, because when those things go by, I guarantee you, <laughs> you're going to hear these words. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I couldn't hear the question. Yes. Um, it's, it's, they are so loud, but I think they're looking very, very, very good indeed for, for this race. Uh, the final two entries in LMGT Pro, another pair of new cars to the WEC and to, of course, Le Mans uh, for this year. The first of two Le Mans in the long WEC season that stretches across two calendar years. 95 and 97 are the two new Aston Martin Vantage AMRs. New engine, new chassis, new everything, but still with Marco Sorensen, Nicky Team, and Darren Turner in the 95, Alex Lynn. Maxime Martin and Johnny Adam in the 97. Where do we start with this, Mr. Palmer? Um, well, great to see Darren Turner back. He looks fit as a butcher's dog's personal trainer. Uh, Nicky Team uh, and Marcus Sorensen, we know the two very fast Danes. They have uh, fantastic provenance uh, throughout everything they drive. All of the Aston drivers this year, Johnny, because of the the... Uh, the way the schedule is, is working for WEC have been doing all kinds of everything and we spent some time with them at the Nürburgring 24 hours they're incredibly relaxed and they seem to be enjoying their racing and from what we learned uh, from the drivers at the Nürburgring testing for the new car has gone very well but testing isn't racing 
No, that's true. Um, obviously, the, the the whole plan to go to Le Mans uh, trouble-free has been set, sent way off now for one of the cars because of a huge accident for Marco Sorensen, and uh, they're going to have to revert because of this to a spare chassis. So that's lots of extra work for AMR that they didn't expect. Um, again, a team, it would seem... Uh, keeping their cards clamped to their chest because we didn't see any pace from either of those cars, but we know that they are quick. I mean, you know, they were quicker than that respectively at, at Spa. So it's a, a, a kind of an unusual approach, should we say, because uh, they are slower than some of the, or the worst slower than some of the AM cars during test day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Lynn still getting used to a GT car. He's done Le Mans before, but that was in an LMP2 machine. Maxime Martin has a master in BMWs in the past and has been signed by Aston Martin. Johnny Adam, last year's winner, no problem there at all. Uh, but the 95 crew, you know, their day was stunted because of the crash that happened in the morning session, effectively. It brought the session to an early close. They didn't get any afternoon running at all. Uh, I have to go and check the charts to see whether we actually cycled all three drivers through in the 95 before it was damaged. But, um, you know, that's a team, Marcus Sorensen, Nicky team, Darren Turner, who can take breaks like that and still come back and win the thing, you know? In some ways, uh, and I'll be asking you for your uh, predictions in this class uh, very shortly. I just want to make this quick point. In some way, Aston Martin, I don't think, expected to win the race last year. Uh, the balance of performance is a fact of life and has been for some time in GTE. I'm not getting back in into that right now. There were times that Aston felt that they had a better chance and didn't execute. Uh, is the story of this class, uh, Graham, going to be who does the best job on the day and makes fewest mistakes in terms of your uh, predictions? Uh, yes, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. I don't expect to see dramatic differences in pace between these cars, despite what uh, some of the guys would possibly have you believe. I think we have every prospect of seeing two, three, four more car battles throughout this. Um, I hope and expect that this will be a class battle that we will talk about for many years. Yeah. Um, and I hope it's not a high water level. Uh, cause I think we've got every prospect of seeing something similar or even better uh, next year as well with where things are with the LMP one class or its eventual replacement. So who wins? Uh, so um, I have to say, I think it's looking pretty good for Porsche. Uh, and as for which of the Porsches, well, just look at it. I mean, it's it, it really is like a kind of roulette wheel of talent, isn't it? The whole lot uh, there. You know, the the fairy tale story would be Jimmy Bruni coming back yes. with Porsche to win the race yes. that he's won with Ferrari. Uh, but you look down, you know, you've got two uh, race winners, uh, two overall race winners apiece in both of the Core Autosports uh, run US entered cars. Uh, then you've got the '92 car where it's the younger guys, Lawrence Vanteur looking to make his mark my as a Porsche factory driver. Uh, the other two haven't won a title anywhere, haven't won the big races yet. They'll be hungry, and they're in the pink pig. How big a deal would that be? Bacon. Uh, Johnny Palmer, um, are, are you heading away from Bacon? Is it a Porsche for you, or can one of the other manufacturers steal a march in, seven, in the 70th anniversary year for Porsche? There was a point during test day when I really couldn't look beyond any of the four 
Fords, and I thought, sort of thought they'd got things sewn up. And then, you know, the day evolved, and Porsche started to move away from race pace and then started to go far more quickly, concentrating possibly on qualifying, although there are still a couple of seconds to find, I think. Um, I'm going to have to go with the Rothmans car, purely from a historical basis. And I think, you know, the driving line, that's that's a great story, as Graham says, with Jimmy Bruni making the move from Ferrari to Porsche. Fred Makoviki, no doubt still on a high, having won that bizarre Nürburgring 24, Nürburgring 24 hours just the other week. Yeah, um, and Ricard Leitz, you know, is so stable behind the wheel of a Porsche. Uh, so uh, the 91 for me. I, I think that colour scheme is the favoured scheme from the Porsche management. And I think those drivers, if there are any slight favouritism, whether it's uh, deliberate or just at the back of the mind, I think that's that's the car that, that is favoured. But I'm with, I'm with the pink pink uh, on that one. Uh, we've asked the questions. We have no more answers. You'll find out uh, some of those at least. And we'll be posing even more questions on Mobile One 91.2. FM around the circuit, around the world, and RS1, live from trackside, right throughout the 2018 Le Mans 24 hours. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.